I like the look on Paul's yeah, face no, right now. Uh, we, I wish we had a video camera set up for this, which we got to get to that at some point. But just the, the, Paul has a great look right now. It's just my mind's bent. Welcome back to another episode of Reeking Havoc, the world's weirdest podcast. Paul, how you doing today? It's hump day. It is hump day. It is hump day. This week's kind of going a little slow right now. School's dragging out. I had the, my first exam for the new part of the semester yesterday. It went pretty well, though, so we're excited about that. But today's episode, today's episode is a special one. It is a fun one. We are both excited about today because... It is the simulation theory. Now, little background. If you don't know what the simulation theory is, basically what we're living in this theory is not reality. We are in a computer-based simulation, something like a video game, which we will dive really, really deep into this today. So we talked about time earlier, how there's not really an absolute now. In this theory, that goes even further, and there's no past, there's no future, there's nothing. It's all a simulation. And that's what we're going to dive into today. It's going to be a really fun one. So stay tuned, stay through for the whole thing, sit back, relax, crack a cold one, and enjoy. Paul, start us off. Well, as always, you know, there's always science behind theories, so, such always. as this one. Quantum there's mechanics. There's quantum mechanics. There's a lot of theories that go into it, and... There's also a philosophical theory. theory. Wow, I choked Fun on that fact, one. Fun fact, Paul and I took philosophy freshman year together. Yes, we did, actually. Born Sheen. Shot him out. What a legend. Can't forget the Burks, dude. Dude yeah. was a goat. Wore Burks in the winter. This man Bare toe. talked monotone, but he was like pretty funny because he would tell jokes and he would tell them monotone, which made him even funnier. It was, he was a great dude. He was a great Miss guy. Missed his class. But anyway, in that class, we did learn about... One such theory known as the brain in the vat theory. Yeah. Oh, I know I you like remember this. brain yep. in the vat theory. Yeah, let's go. Now, it's a scenario used in a variety of thought experiments, right? And it's intended to draw out certain features of human conceptions of knowledge, reality, truth, consciousness, and meaning. So basically, literally life. Yeah. It's like your conception of life is challenged by this. And I don't know if you remember another theory that this one is sort of based on. By uh, Rene Descartes, I mm-hmm. believe is how you pronounce that last name. Don't quote me on that one. <laughs> but it's about how basically an evil demon controls our perceptions and thoughts. Whoa. And its whole like existence is to deceive us. And basically the way they deceive us is by painting the illusion of the reality of the external world that we've come to know as life. Wow. So... Brain in the Vat Theory, obviously, for those who don't know it, is a, is a scenario that outlines basically either a mad scientist, a machine, or some entity removed a person's brain from their head or their body and then suspended into a vat of life-sustaining liquid. Do you have a, a date on this theory? An exact date when it came out? Yeah, I do. or roughly. It was back a while. A while? Okay, so here's my thing, though, is you think about that, and how many times in cartoon shows or uh, mad scientist movies or something like that where 
you see the mad scientist and there's literally a brain in the vat and it's connected through mm-hmm. these wires and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously I'm going to assume this was, you know, pre-existing to those. Yeah. So when you think about it from that aspect, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And then obviously with it connecting the bat, it has the like wires and the like neurons connected to it that send electrical impulses that are identical to the stimulations our brain feels from our body and our experiences in reality. So, according to the theory, the computer would basically be simulating reality for us. Yeah. And this includes, like, all the appropriate responses to any, like, brain's own output or stimuluses that might happen throughout the day. And the disembodied brain would continue to have, like, perfectly normal experience and normal consciousness, just like it was the regular brain. Yeah. And obviously, there's arguments against this theory. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I'm fully here to combat those, too. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, like, interesting, like, thought process be- processes behind it. But, like, the whole premise of his argument is basically, we can't prove that we are not. And, that, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing about every simulation theory. Because there's a lot of different branches and, and theories, obviously, behind the simulation. There's not exactly one base theory that... Everyone sees as this is what it is, or everyone sees this is not what it is. The thing with the simulation theory is, even now, you can't prove to me that we're not in one. Um, uh, my buddy, Connor Tomowski, actually pointed one of these things out to me. So we're sitting in this room right now. We are in our kitchen, in our apartment. If So we see the walls. You know, you can kind of peek outside a little bit through the blinds. Our bedroom, you can't... The door's closed. You can't prove to me that our bedroom's back there. You can't prove that it's not rendering. because. And this is where I kind of want to go into the video game aspect because that's a really good way to look at this. So when you play, let's say GTA. GTA is a huge game, still a huge game. I believe it came out in 2012. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it was 2012. And we're eight years later, and it's still a very, very popular game. Still one of the most popular games played. When you turn your Xbox or PS4 on, and you want to dial up GTA. It takes a minute to load into that. The loading screen's incredibly long. Because there's so much to render, because it's an open-world game, and there's all these possibilities and movements and animations, and there's so much that has to get rendered that it takes a while for it to load in to render all of that in. And so, taking that now into this reality, if we are in a simulation... Things that are not in our visual preference are rendering. Just like in a video game. Everything you can't see. That's why when you... Like, for example, if you're driving around in GTA and you get into your apartment, it has to render and take you through this little animation of you opening the door, walking through, so the building can render. Right. This could be the same principle in our life. So the video... I like the video game. I'm going to use that a, a couple more times... To explain some things, because the video game aspect of a simulation is a good way to think about it, because a video game is a computer simulation, right. just for our entertainment. But let's let's dive into this next theory. Um, so actually... Unless you got more in the brain in the vat. It's, just, it's still about brain in the vat, but I mean, it can still... The argument can be used in like what you were talking about with video games, um, is that some people have argued that since we can contemplate 
the fact that we could possibly be a brain in a vat or hypothetically living in a video game, then it must not be true. But the way you, it, this has been refuted is that in the brain in the vat situation, wouldn't the supercomputer controlling you wants you to basically rule this out, like being a brain vet, rule it out as a possibility. Like it's yeah. so bizarre in our minds to think about that. You're like, there's no way that's like even possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, wasn't that, isn't that what yeah. they want you to think is yeah. basically be able to contemplate it yourself into thinking that it's like completely like not, not, not a chance going to happen. And then back to, this is more multimedia. I'm going to talk about the film later, but uh, I think it's, is it the fifth wall? When uh, they talk to you directly, like the consumer in like a movie or a video game or something like yeah. that, I think it's the fifth wall. Uh, Bandersnatch, which I'll dive into later, he breaks the fifth wall in there. Uh, in video games, sometimes you have a character. I believe there's, I can't remember what Far Cry it is. There's a Far Cry where you're the guy you're playing as breaks the fifth wall essentially, and he's talking to someone, and he's like, "Well, I'm getting controlled, so I can't control my actions." I just kind of do what I think I'm supposed to do. He's, you know, you make these decisions, but you almost realize you're not making the decisions type of a deal. That's kind of the same thing here. Because like you were saying, you know, you plant that idea in someone's head. Like with any idea, people are refuting it. If your favorite team is the Lions, or even like, let's, let's talk about the Super Bowl. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. There's still probably people out there that will be like, well, they weren't the best team. And, and any idea can have any kind of debate. And so when you bring an idea to a forefront, that's when you're going to get doubters. And once you get doubters, that's when no one's going to believe it's a sure thing. Exactly. And that's like the whole premise of that argument is that since we just, everyone like has this preconceived belief that that's like completely impossible and you can't even fathom technology like that's like able to do that. Yeah. Like proves the point further. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And then, so, there's two, in my opinion, there's, there's obviously probably more, but there's two major bases for a simulation. You have your free will simulation and you have your non-free will simulation. So essentially, there, in one... You're still making the choices. Because let's remember, you, you can run simulations and not control anything. Uh, that's something we, we can see. Like, if you load up a Madden game and you don't play as anyone, you watch a game. I mean, we did this over quarantine just to watch sports. You put your controller in the middle so it's computer against computer. You, you don't control that simulation now. Now the players, the video game players are making plays, doing their thing. So that takes you out of that aspect. So that still gives you free will. Or there's the whole other side of it where someone's making choices for you and you either realize it or don't realize it. Obviously, if you realized it, that'd be a break in the simulation and who knows if that's ever happened, whatever. But what's interesting about that is that may, for me, that makes it really hard to like sit here and say 100% we're not in simulation because if you're in a simulation with free will, then it's a totally different game. Then it... it then it's hard to decipher what what's real and what's not. And what I mean by that is, let's say, and once again, there's two possibilities here. There's one simulation where I have my own simulation. I'm the only real person in the simulation. You're a computer. Everyone I interact with is a computer. 
Or there's the flip side of that where we're all in the same simulation together. That one, to me, I see more as a possibility. Because I see more of a... I think if it wasn't a free will, if it was a someone's making choices for you, I think then you would have someone would realize it along the way. Unless we were all computers, because that's the thing. If you're a human, not a computer, if you're a human and you're the only one in your simulation and you're not making the choices, someone else is making the choices for you. At some point, you're going to question, wait, why did I just do that? When you have no memory of deciding to do that, but you do an action, or those uncontrollable urges, stuff like that. So I'd probably lean more towards, now that I'm you know, thinking through this out loud, if there is a simulation, a free will simulation, that we're all in this together. Because even still, if I had free will, but everyone else's computer, at some point, I'd probably notice that. You make me think a lot about, like, the subconscious voice that comes in your mind yeah before you do something like anything like you always yeah there's always like a little voice in your mind talking to you and you don't there's not really you just think it's like your subconscious mind you think you're kind of talking yourself in your head yeah why would you really that's like swaying yourself to make a decision to do something now do something later eat now not eat yeah you know stuff like that i was telling you that too yesterday about how like my mind works when it comes to making a song like i hear it in my head how it wants it how i want it to sound and then that's what speeds along my process is i can hear it in my head and then no i just need to sound like i'm hearing it in my head that's crazy the little voice in your head because i've talked to people who because for me uh i think it's my own voice a little alteration on my own voice i think but I've, i've talked to some people who the voice inside their head doesn't sound anything like them. That's crazy. And that's, that, that's crazy, too. Because what we have to remember here, you're not hearing anything. You're imagining you're hearing something. That's the craziest part about it. Because the voice inside your head's not actually a voice. It's just a thought. You can't hear thoughts. You can't see thoughts. Yet for me, at least, when I have a voice inside my head, I can almost picture them talking. I see myself talking to myself, essentially. Yeah. I like the look on Paul's face right now. uh, I wish we had a video camera set up for this, which we got to get to that at some point. But just Paul has a great look right now. My mind's bent in all sorts of ways right now. I mean, that just, like, shows you, like, how powerful our minds actually are, too. Yeah. Like, especially, like, people that, like, don't even have, like, basically have, like, a different character in their brain. Yeah. Well, because that's what we, like, um, it's considered a, you know, mental health problem, the uh, split personality, um, schizophrenia. There's there's other ones. I don't know if even those are the right terms still. And, you know, obviously those things uh, can create problems. But if you think about how incredibly powerful someone's mind has to be to comp- because uh, I don't remember what I was I feel like it was like TLC or Dr. Phil or something one of those you know networks where you, you see that kind of stuff and and there was a woman who had split personality and different personalities were allergic to different things now that's crazy because we know the mind can control the body obviously your movement is controlled through your brain 
but to think about that, that it can change like the internal DNA almost. Once again, I'm not a scientist here, so I might not be using the correct terminology, but it's changing something inside of you. Like if I'm allergic to peanuts and I have a split personality and another personality is not allergic to peanuts, that blows my mind. Would you say that split personalities is quite similar to like you know, alternative realities. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're basically a different person. Yeah, because, I at mean... At a different point. I have my personality now. How I am, all my quirks and all that. If I had split personality, let's just say it was one other inside me, and that completely changed my mannerisms, how I acted, my voice, how I moved, that's a different reality you're living because I live as Hayden right now. Let's say my other personality is Kevin. If I'm in Kevin's mind and I'm moving like Kevin, I'm talking and acting like Kevin, I'm doing Kevin things, that's a whole different world than if I'm Hayden. It'd be like if, if my other personality was you. We are different people. I would live differently if I was like you versus if I was myself. So in, in a, not even in a way, at 100%, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd say it's definitely a different reality. We knew this yeah. was going to be a good one. We are yeah, 17 it's... minutes in, and this is getting epic. So that just brings me back to the point that, like, people, those are all, like, considered mental health issues, but think about the brain power and the, behind the them, mental yeah. capacity behind that. That's why those people are considered, like, crazy. Yeah. Because their brain works at a different speed and in a different way than like most people can even comprehend. And could you imagine what we could do as a civilization if we could control that? It'd be amazing. The things I feel you like could the do. way to start that is just by not calling it an illness. Yeah, because it really. I mean, and I haven't it done. Is. Yeah. There's, there's, there's dangers to other people. Yeah. But I feel like there's, there's a way to study it and a way to encapture the power that that yeah. has to actually do something incredible. Yeah, because if you, and I think the illness part comes in from not having control of it, and and uh, I want to say I think yeah, it's schizophrenia that they uh, microdose some some. Uh, practices microdose mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, for to like help control that and stuff like that. And we'll we'll get deeper into the psychedelic aspect of the simulation theory soon. But yeah, it's it's just you wonder what 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 the world would look like if we could harvest that power. One and then two, if we knew how to harvest that power, use that power, could people that don't have it learn to have it, and vice versa, I guess. It's it's an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought. I mean, you could even, like, say the same thing about, like, bipolar disorder, like, the creative waves that manic yeah. episodes bring. I mean, like, you think about, like, some of, like, the greatest artists of all time. I know where you're going like, with Kanye. I mean, I'm not even talking about Kanye here. I'm talking about, like, painters, like, yeah. way back in the yeah. day. They all had, I mean, Van Gogh was messed up in the head. Yeah. But he was fantastic at Brilliant, painting. yeah. Brilliant. And it's just, like, to see the brilliance that can come from that, it just, it, it blows your mind that, like, now we have, like, this stigma, just, like, it's you have a mental a, illness. Yeah. Tough. You're you're different than everybody. 
Yeah. You should feel different than everybody, but it's not. Your brain just works in a way different way than the majority of people, exactly. and I think that's something to appreciate. Like, obviously, there's no downsides to it, and there's definitely problems that come with it, um, especially from a mental health standpoint. But I think learning to appreciate that your brain works in a completely different way than most of the population is something cool. Yeah, I think that's, I feel like there's going to be, I mean, I don't know if there's going to be a time when this actually happens, but there should be. When it's no more just, like, mental illness, it's it's just mental difference. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just different. It's, it's yeah. a different way the mind goes, the mind works. It's more powerful than a normal mind. So let's dive into the second theory. Oh, the whole, um... Just it's just a straight up simulation argument that kind of yeah. dives into a biological argument against brain in the vat theory. Yes. So let me just drop this one on you. This uh, Oxford philosopher had like these three scenarios for his simulation argument. It was one: humans will go extinct before creating technology powerful enough to run convincing si- simulations of reality. Two. Humanity may live to see such technology, but decide for whatever reason not to run any simulations. And then three, humanity will create that technology and run many different simulations of evolutional, evolutionary, evolutional history in which case there would be lots of simulated realities and only one non-simulated one. Oh, I so maybe it. it's more likely than not that we're living in a simulation yeah. right now. And a little side note. Elon Musk yep. backed this theory, and he put our odds of living in a non-simulated reality at one in billions. Well, because this is uh, back to the video game aspect. So, 40-odd years ago, the video game we had was Pong. Now you fast forward to today, and we got some crazy cool video games. I mean, GTA was created eight years ago, and that's yeah. still an amazing game. And then you think of virtual reality. And so, for me, this is where I have, and we're going to do another episode on the history of human civilization uh, later, because that's a whole other thing to dive into as far as advanced civilizations and that stuff. And that could refute what I'm about to say, but let's, however long the world's been around, millions, billions, however long, doesn't matter, you start with cavemen let's say you know bare bones of the earth are we really gonna believe that it took let's just go with a base so it's easier to follow a million years let's say the earth was just one million years old which is likely likely a lot older than that but let's just say for the purposes of what i'm about to explain here it's a million years old so zero the creation you have a group of people using sticks and stones, campfires, wheels not even invented. Let's look to 1900. That's 900-something, a lot of years. 900, I'm not even trying to do the math right now. It's like 990-something thousand, whatnot. So it took us from that point to get to just having cars and, you know, some more advancements in technology as far as industrial revolutions coming and all that kind of stuff. And then from 1900 to 2020 is 120 years, and we got from that to this. So it took us 900 and something thousand years 
to get to the basics of we call bare bones of society if we're looking back now. Yeah. And then it took us 120 years to get to today. That's where I have a lot of problems because I'm not going to dive into this too much because I won't stop talking about advanced civilizations in ancient Egypt and the left paths, <laughs> the Sphinx. What's under there? Just a question. But so the theory here goes with the evolution we've made in video games in the last 40 years, we're on track to become even better, obviously. So if we go from Pong to now, that's 40 years. Then we go from now another 40 years. So 2060, at the rate we're going, we would potentially would have this type of technology. And this is where it gets interesting. So Ready Player One, very popular movie, very popular book. Great book and movie. If you haven't seen or read, read first, then watch, obviously. But let's say we create a reality where you can go in, or a video game, where you can actually go inside the video game. We're talking virtual reality, but you have feelings. You can feel things that are happening to you. If you can die in a video game and you'll die in real life, is that video game not reality? No, then it's real. Yeah, exactly. And so if we get to a point where we have created these video games where you can literally go into them, but you can also die inside of them, that, that becomes reality. Obviously not the advanced simulation we're talking about here, but that's kind of what you're leaning towards. And so uh, like that paper states... There's basically two options in, in this world. Either some catastrophic event is going to end human race as we know it, or we will get to a point where we create the simulation. And then, and then that's really the two options. Even if you don't believe we're in a simulation right now, if humanity doesn't die out, we'll get there. We're on our way. People want to do that and try to do that. So someone's going to figure it out. And here's another thing about the olden days. We're talking cave people type stuff. Everything we have right here, this microphone, this laptop, this phone, this journal, this table, everything we can see comes from the earth. And you telling me, if you, I consider myself a decently smart person. You as well. Let's say everything's just gone from the world. We still have our knowledge, but everything's gone. We're back to the basics. There's no buildings. It's just the earth, you and me. We couldn't recreate this. Not at all. And so that makes you think, and I was reading this. I can't remember who it was from. Elon was quoting someone in the Joe Rogan podcast from 2016 when he was talking about this. And basically... You know all the crazy formulas we have in math? Yeah. All the crazy science we have. Do we really think we just came up with that on our own? Like, let's take something as simple as the quadratic formula. How in the hell do you create something like that? Seriously? How do you create math? How did somebody come up with, like, quantum theory? Yeah. It just came to them one day? And so that's where you start to wonder, well, maybe our brains were programmed. That brings me to a point I was going to make because I was thinking, like, based on, like, you know, like, all the, like, 
technology like being like so far advanced that you're talking about like we're gonna get there one day how many movies have you seen with it already like depicted how the future's gonna look yeah i mean it already has shown it already shows like that idea has to come from somewhere they're not just gonna like "Mm, mm, it might look like this and then obviously there's some that are like way out there but i mean there's a lot that it's like the idea the same base idea is the same and those ideas gotta come from somewhere yeah those ideas don't just fall out of the sky i mean yeah you can base it off certain things and base your ideas off certain theories and stuff but to actually have a visual representation of what the future may behold it's kind of scary when you think about it in that way it is and then and what's crazy is is the rate of improvement that's that's what i was talking about earlier is how we're advancing so fast in every field honestly right now um if we continue at this rate which if you look at it it's almost exponential curve because you know well, back to my if the earth's only one million years old you know it's you can't see what i'm doing with my hand right now but i'm creating basically kind of a linear flat line and then all of a sudden it's been spiking and I don't see us stopping anytime. Technology keeps advancing, and technology is how you do all of this stuff. And we have to remember, technology came from the ground. Who was the first person to figure out how to use te- make technology? Who even knows? Exactly. And how accurate is that? Because when you look back in history, we can only look back so far because of catastrophic catastrophic events such as the ice ages and so it makes you think well if there were documentations or historians writing things way way back when it's probably all destroyed by now right so do we don't actually know we can speculate but we don't actually know what was going on back then and that leads me to the advanced civilization which I will say for another episode <laughs> You just made me think about the uh, atomic bombs we dropped. Yeah. Wasn't that like the 1940s? Yep. How could we come up with an yeah, atomic bomb that's in the true. 1940s when we just figured out how to make cars in the early 1900s? So was that? I think we cars like 1903, maybe 1907, between yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. 190-something. But how do you go from that... To, a to an bomb, atomic a bomb nuke. that could literally wipe out an entire city yeah. of people. Like, like that. And, and it then, makes you wonder when you think about that. Either one, were we holding on to something like that for a while? Or two, how much of that do we actually have? Because if you, obviously, you know, we had two. But think like, about where's that now? Yeah. And that's a scary thought. Because you think about the Cold War. Obviously, nothing really came out of that as far as destruction. But what could have happened? I mean, everyone at that time was pointing nukes at each other, mm-hmm. and it was just waiting for the first person to jump. And would we even be here if, if that turned out different? I'd argue no. Yeah, no, if there's because, a nuclear war, I feel like... Because once that happens... And here's an interesting thought. To bring this back into the simulation about the Cold War, and this is where you could question the free will... If you were controlling the simulation, let's say the Earth is a simulation. If you're controlling the simulation, why would you want its people to destroy it? 
Because that, when you think the world's a simulation, you have to think about why. Why would it be a simulation? Are pe- do people want to just, it's the human experiment, just see how we would unfold? Would we either work together or destroy ourselves, which the latter is more likely based on what we've seen? So, I mean, when you think about that, the Cold War had the potential to... Because this is the thing. It's, it's not just like everyone was pointing at it. If someone shoots, everyone's just going to shoot one round and that's it. It's done. No. If there was one fired, all out World War Three, And oh, this yeah. is a nuclear war. Oh, yeah. You're talking about, like, wiping out countries. Yeah. Like, just taking countries off the map. Life as we know it would be so different. Oh, yeah. And that's We'd a scary thought. In, like, that's if, a really scary thought. Say, hypothetically, if we were living, I don't know if you've ever seen Chernobyl, the TV yeah. show, we'd be yeah, some, basically some, like, a, like a Chernobyl, like, aftermath-type life. Just, like, radioactive material being in the air and all that stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. You made me think, though, that, like, all these catastrophic events that happen throughout life, like we're created. Cold War, you know, 9-11. Yeah. Coronavirus 2020 are just boss levels. So this is actually an interest. <laughs> this is actually a very interesting thing that you just brought up 2020. So I was reading this. This blew my mind because I never had. I, I've we've had plenty of talks about the simulation because it's one of those things where it's really fun to talk about because you can't prove it either way. So it's it's all speculation and it's not politics. It's not something that people should get angry about because it's just a fun conversation to have. So I was reading. Why would a simulation be created when we were just talking about? There's that aspect of it. And then there's number two. Let's think about GTA. Why is GTA such a popular game? Because it's fun. There's a lot to do. You can do crazy things that you can't do in real life. And also, not really to the extent because it's, it is a video game and there are some very unrealistic aspects in the game. But let's, let's go away from GTA here. Let's just say we, you know, we get these video games, like Farming Simulator, for example. I, I haven't played personally and I'm not into farming like that, that I would know if it's an accurate representation of what farming is like. But these type of games, why you run a simulation in real life is, is to see what would happen. And so then there's two theories from this. There's one that the simulation is used for an act- the actual reality to see what works and what doesn't work in bad situations. And then there's a second one, which is kind of scary to think about. If the simulation gets boring, amp it up. If reality gets boring, amp it up. Change the difficulty, basically. We've had, you know, there's always crazy things that happen every year. But you look at 2020 compared to the last however many years, dude, we're under lock and key. We lost Kobe. We had the situation with Iran at the beginning of the year that was very unsettling. A lot of unrest with China. Yeah. It, things keep boiling, boiling, boiling up. And, you know, it makes you wonder. If there is simulation and someone's running the simulation, did they get bored? And, like, wanted like, to see uh, chaos? Or are they on the brink of chaos themselves and wanted to see how this human simulation would react? 
Dude, it's it's there's so many <laughs> like so different deep. things that you could it's like so deep. Like they could just be testing to see how like an industrialized society responds to a plague, basically. Because I mean, like right, like the bubonic plague back whenever that was, years and years ago, that there was like an under civilized civilization and it just completely crumbled them, killed tons of people. Yeah. I, who's to say that these mad scientists aren't just like, hey, let's see what they do. Yeah. In a more like advanced society how it how what happens is, well, is it still an issue how do people respond and stuff like that it's and so an interesting part of this so i'm, I'm gonna finally dive into bandersnatch if you have not seen the movie you need to stop listening to this take a pause go watch the movie come back and finish the episode so it's a netflix original but it's from the tv show obviously but it, it's the movie and in the movie, you get to make choices as the viewer, which is something we've never seen before. I mean, I used to read, there were these Hardy Boy books back in the day, and, Nancy, and some Nancy Drew ones, where you got to, you know, you get to a certain spot, and you get to pick an option, and be like, go to page 134, or if you pick other option, go back to page 46. Like, type of things that are just, they were great books to read, because you feel like you're in control of the story. Same with Bandersnatch. But the interesting thing about Bandersnatch, so there's a logo. It's uh, I'm going to do my best to describe this without having a visual representation for you guys. So it's one line down, and then you have a flat line to make like an upside-down capital T. And then from the ends of that upside-down capital T are two straight lines going down. So the thought, this image, is basically every choice, which is at the top, you have two options from that choice. And when you think about it, that's a, that's a true statement, even if we're not in a simulation. Every single choice you make has two possible outcomes, and from those two possible outcomes create a different reality for you. For example, your option here, what to eat for dinner. You, you have essentially two options for everything. So if you're like, well, no, there's a bunch of different foods you could eat, yeah, but at the same time, think about it. I'm probably going to make mac and cheese for dinner tonight. If I'm being completely honest, it's probably going to happen. So let's say that was my, my choice. I'm either going to not eat that and eat something else, or I'm going to eat that. If I eat that, then here's my, the rest of my life from making that choice. Or if I don't, here's the rest of my life from making that choice. And some, some things, just like in the movie, the first decision you make is what cereal you're going to eat. What's interesting, the only effect that actually comes from that one is you will see it in the commercial about halfway through the movie. And so there's times where you make, quote-unquote, the wrong decision, and you either end up dead or in jail, the video game doesn't work out. So is that what we're in, where you make a choice? Obviously, if, you know, extreme choice, you choose whether or not to rob a bank, there's two possible outcomes for that. You're successful, you're not successful. And your life is completely different from both of those, and they're out. So not every choice is going to be this ground-shattering thing, but we see it with our phones listen to us, people. Wake up. If you don't believe that, you're silly. Privacy does not exist in this century, and it is never going to exist again. It is an illusion. But you see ads on your phone, they're generated based on what you're talking about, what you're looking up. Those are all choices you've made in your life that little may seem little, but they follow you every day. So essentially, in like really basic terms, every decision has two choices. 
you choose one choice A, choice B, thus stemming an A B from that. Another A and B from that decision. And then each Which one is like an, an infinite AB chain of, of choices yes. and decisions. And then in Banner Snatch, there's kind of kind of alludes to this. Uh this do the decision because there's sometimes where you choose one option or the other option and you end up in the same spot. So it always makes you wonder, does it actually matter what I do and will I end up in the same spot? And if that's the thing, if you say then yes, I will doesn't matter what I do, I'll end up in the same spot, then you admit we are in a simulation. Because it's true. If, if you have a predestined destination, which some people believe in, then you'll end up there. Which completely takes free will out of anything if you're already destined to end up somewhere. I don't believe in that aspect of it, but there is definitely that theory. It's wild. It's a great movie. Fantastic. I highly recommend it. It is a real eye-opener. And there's one scene in there where... uh, I believe it, they, they take acid, which is a psychedelic drug, if you weren't aware. And basically, he's explaining it to him how it opens your mind and you break the simulation. Because that's the thing. A lot of people try and break the simulation. You know, we see glitches in the Matrix all the time with, you know, the Mandela thing. That's obviously the most popular one on the forefront. Um, there's plenty of other instances. You could even argue all the things the Simpsons have predicted are glitches in the simulation. But the psychedelic drug aspect of it, uh, Graham Hancock, for those of you who don't know, he's a historian, um, archaeologist, a lot of things. He's written a lot of books. He written a lot of books. Sorry about that. Um, he's done a lot of cool things. If you haven't checked out his books or any of his podcast interviews, specifically with Joe Rogan, Highly recommend looking into that because we will talk about a lot of the things he focuses on, which are the advanced civilizations and uh, human history, as I was stating earlier. But there was, he's talking about, he, I can't exactly remember the situation he was in. I know he did the peyote ceremony with a Native American tribe. And he talks about psychedelics in this way, how they're eye-openers. That, that's what they are. I mean, the point of a psychedelic drug is to manipulate your reality. Like in mushrooms, you know, you're seeing everything different. Things are wavy. Things are distorted. That's your reality on these mushrooms. So if you're in a simulation, if you, let's pretend the world's a simulation, what would be the one way to break that? And it would be psycho- psychedelic drugs because they alter your reality. And so there's a lot of people who believe that the best way to break the simulation and to do the research and to figure things out is through psychedelic drugs, whether that be microdosing or whether that mean heavier doses where you actually see things. Because there's a, the peyote ritual he was talking about has like an aspect of you're supposed to see an answer to a question. If there's, there's a bunch of different reasons for the sweat in like these sweat lodges. And the one he was a part of was uh, like a peyote. I don't remember exactly what he was looking for. I think he was um, he was there more to learn. He got invited to it, which if you get invited to it, it is a very high honor and respect thing. 
uh, from these tribes, that's, it's a huge honor because it's a very, very big part of their culture is these sweats. And the peyote can help you answer questions, you know, it can set you right mentally or show you a spirit animal or just reset your mind. And that's a term we see a lot around psychedelic drugs, too, is a reset of the mind, is to take your, you know, your thoughts all build up and at some point they mesh and you need to release that. And, you know, whether that be from kicking on the beach, you know, having a couple beers, Jack and Coke, smoking, you know, honestly, any of your vices. The reason behind those is to release that buildup. And the thing with psychedelics is they're releasing the buildup, but they help you see things in a new light. So... The theory there is you break the simulation because not only are you augmenting your reality to something that it's actually not, but maybe that actually is reality. Because I've seen these... I can't remember the name of the guy. He's kind of a, he's kind of a crazy dude. He, a lot of people see his stuff as uh, not accurate because he doesn't... His research is internal... And stuff like that, but I gotta find this name, and I'll talk about it on the next podcast when I find his name, so you can go check out his work because it's super interesting whether you believe him or not. But his thing is mushrooms. That was the only psychedelic one he was talking about, but mushrooms specifically is your brain powering at full function because mushrooms come from the ground. It's a part of nature. It's not these like chemically induced whatever you might not but it, it comes from the earth and if it comes from the earth that means it was it's been here and so it makes you wonder the food we eat obviously becomes you are what you eat everyone says it you are what you eat if you eat much these these like psychedelic mushrooms that becomes your reality maybe that's your brain at full power function and that's kind of an interesting thought like we were talking earlier about how, you know, microdoses of mushrooms yeah. are, are treated sometimes in some practices for schizophrenia. It's an interesting concept. That it's more or less along the lines of something like the fabled, like, limitless pill. Yeah, essentially, yeah. It allows your mind to be expanded to a point that is inconceivable to... Your normal state. Like, your average mental state. Yeah. And that's a crazy thought to have. Because, you know, when diving deep into the conversation of the simulation theory, you also have to dive deep into the uh, psychedelic aspect of it. Because if, if we're in a simulation, what you're seeing is not real. Case in point. So how do you know that your brain's at full function? How do you know that there's everything you see is not a glitch and it's not actually reality? There's no way to prove that. And that's the thing with the simulation. There's no way to prove it one way or the other. And that's, as for now, for now there's not. And that's what solidifies the argument. Yeah. Because you can't prove it otherwise. Yeah. Like I was, you know, we talked at the beginning, I can't prove to you what behind me is actually behind me. Mm-hmm. You can't prove that what's outside that door is a set of stairs leading up and two yeah. doors that are going to take us outside. For all we know, it could just be nothing, and it's just rendering, it waiting for me to open colorful circle of death you see on your laptop and because spinning waiting for you to open it you know you think about well that's crazy because obviously we'd have to load in but 
it's if it's running a simulation. These are crazy advanced computers. I, I think that they were talking even in um, the next-gen consoles, the PS5 and the Xbox, whatever the heck it's called, because they don't ever actually make it normal names in chronological order. But they're trying to get rid of loading screens. So we're, we're getting close yeah. to something, some kind of rendering power that could potentially create this. And then that kind of leads into the this next point I have here where... If I'm trying to think of how to like put this in a normal way, so there's there's you were talking earlier about um, the uh, what's it called? I'm totally blanking out right now. Oh, the chances of us being in a simulation, something not type deal, or the chances of us not being the simulation are like very small. Yeah. So going from that. Like we were talking about earlier, if you get to a point where video games, you can have those video games where it kind of becomes your reality. You can feel emotion. You're literally right there in it. It's first person. You're doing the action, stuff like that. Like we have, uh, why am I blanking on what it's called? When you put the goggles on. VR? Yeah, VR. Okay, so we have VR. So take that even a step further because we're still in the early stages of that. At what point? Do you have so many different simulations and video game-like simulations that your mind starts to lose itself and you can't tell what's reality? Because what's always interested me is, let's say, somewhere down the line, which I wouldn't doubt, we all know The Sims, right? Right. We get a VR version of The Sims, where you get to become that person. Now you're that person. Why, if you, if that life you can create your person, what would stop you from ever leaving that life? What would be the point? You'd eat things. You'd you'd make money. You'd buy cool things. Why would you ever go back to your normal life? You just made a light bulb go off in my head. There's a an, an, another theory we learned about in philosophy about that. There's like about like. You basically, like, give up everything you've ever known to live a life full of all the pleasures you've yeah. ever wanted. Yeah. And, like, would you... Like, would you ever whether go or not, back? Would yeah. you ever come back? Is there a reason to come back to yeah. your past life? Especially because like if you can die in these games, you can live in these games. You can eat in these games. And so how do you not know... I mean, you could even argue that with this type of simulation, we're not all, like, going back to the brain and the vat. Or even, you know, the classic, you're laying down and you have the helmet thing on and it's connected into this and you go into this new world. We don't know that that's not what it is now. But if, you ha- if they created this game where you lay back in this chair, you put this helmet on, you become a new person, you're living the Sims, but you pick what you want to do. See, that's what's interesting, because think about this. I'm about to blow some minds right now. Hold on to your seats. Sit down if you're standing. If this is, which we're heading towards this, if we're either going to go extinct or we're heading towards this, those are the two options. So let's say we get to this point. Let's say we're, we're laying down with the helmet on. You can live and die through that. Obviously, for starters... You probably wouldn't want to leave that life. But also, 
that's a simulation, potentially in a simulation. So let's say we, it's a free will simulation. And let's say I put the helmet on and I get to li- create my person in a Sims world to live that life. That person in that Sims world isn't real. That's me taking their free will. Because if it's that realistic of a computer simulation where you can die in there and it'll affect the other created people in this world, there's no free will in that world. All the math that they know in that life, and let's say you go into the Sims game and you make your person super smart and you all of a sudden get all this knowledge, all that was created already. All the science was created already. If you get sick in that game and you have to go to the hospital, all those cures were created already. But they were created in the other reality. And so now you're hopping through different realities and you at some point will lose sight of what's the base reality. Because let's say you're, you're in that world. We won't know how much time's passing. Is time going to pass like it does here, or is time going to pass faster or slower? What's it going to look like? So hypothetically, let's say you've spent 20 years game time. Because, so in Madden, you know, you played for six seasons, we'll say? Six seasons. That's six years. That's a lot of time. But what'd you play it through? Maybe like a month? At best? Yeah. So let's, let's look at that. Let's say if you live six years but you had the helmet on for one month. Someone comes and smashes the helmet. You come back to yourself. What life are you going to know anymore if you've just spent the last six years? That'd be like me coming right now, hitting you in the head. You knock out. You wake up, and you're 15, and everything you just lived wasn't real. You're going to go insane. What I'm thinking is, what's to say that hasn't already happened and we aren't in the Sims game right now? We can't prove it. Because that, wouldn't that make sense? Cause yeah. According to like some of the theories we talked about where like there's, there's a pretty good chance that like the chances that this is the non-simulated reality are very, very low. Yeah. So based off that, that means that it basically humans... In another world of reality, or not even humans, could be aliens, who knows. Something already figured it out. Like yep. the technology to run the simulations that you were talking about were either going to go extinct or going to get to this crazy simulation power. Somebody's already done it. Yep. And is running them already. Yeah. And then it's just going to be an everlasting cycle of civilizations figuring out how to do simulations and multiple simulations being ran. And then, yeah. and then can you, can you go in between simulations? Can you go in between different realities? What are the consequences on your body? Because let's, let's go back to the one I was talking about earlier. Let's, let's say we have that technology right now and I go under that. Outside of the seasons changing allergies, to my knowledge, I don't have any major allergies. And let's say I go into, you know, this new Sims world. And there's certain things you can't pick. Let's say I develop a peanut allergy. In that world. If I eat peanuts in, in this now Sims world, I die. But I can eat them in, rea- in my real life. So if you get to that point, what I'm getting at here is your DNA structure is going to change in the game. And what harm can that have on your real body? Because think about this. If you die in a simulation, but you die in real life. But if I'm allergic to peanuts in the Sims world, but I'm not in real life. So if I eat a peanut in this Sims world, 
and I die. That wouldn't kill, kill my real-life body because I'm not actually allergic to peanuts. No. But would it kill my mind? It all depends on how you die in the game. Do you die and the game's over? The helmet pops off. Because if you think about this, if you're induced into a coma-like state to play these games, which you basically, in my opinion, would probably have to be, who's waking you up? And once someone wakes you up, are you going to think you're dead? And then you have no sense of actual reality. So good luck to people when they create this stuff for real. Seriously, though. Because that's the thing. We could have people that have broken the simulation truly, and they probably just lost it. Likely. Because I, I don't think my mind could handle that. And that's some crazy thought. I don't think the thought. human mind has the mental capacity to actually handle the fact that like, legitimately we are in a simulation. I feel like... That's it's part too of much. the reason that, like you said, like people use mushrooms and psychedelics to to like be able to think about this in depth and do the research and like really put their minds yeah. to it. Is so it's you can think in a way you can't think normally. Yeah, but like your normal your normal brain capacity doesn't have that that power whatsoever. It is more or less just like overrun itself and like work itself to death by trying to think about this at that level so I have another question for you I'm glad you said aliens if this is reality base reality where's everyone else do we really think that there's nothing else out there it's just earth in the never ending and never expanding universe where's everyone else Because here's the interesting thought. Elon Musk brought this up. For people that don't think there's anything else out there, you're basically admitting to a simulation. Because think back to GTA. There's Los Santos. That's the city you're in. There's no one else. There's just the people there. Because it is a simulation. It's It's a simulated game. So you wouldn't need to create everything else. You just need to create the base. So I ask again, Paul, where's everyone else? Exactly. Yep. And that one really messed with my head. I was like, whoa. Because I think there's aliens out there. Oh, yeah. The whole Bob Lazar thing, which, once again, we'll dive into that in a separate episode because that's a great thing to dive into. But if you don't believe in aliens, you really think we're the only ones here? Then you explain to me how we have what we have. You explain Stonehenge to me. You explain the pyramids to me. I'm not saying they were necessarily built by aliens. But there's someone else out there besides us. We're not alone in this universe. Not at all. And also, just a quick riddle random question. They said the universe is... You know, always expanding. Expanding into what? Yep. What is space? What is 
boy, <laughs> we could go years on that one. I mean, it's infinite, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's infinite, but it's ever expanding into what? Like it's, you it's crazy. don't know where space ends. No, because well, it doesn't end. Or does it? And if it ends, where? Where does it end? You know, we don't have the technology to figure out where it ends. Yeah. Or if it ends. But that, we don't have true. the technology to... That's true. We always say space to is... To explore universes outside of ours. We consider space the Milky Way. True. But th- th- that's one universe. And tiny compared to a lot of these other one galaxies. One small universe that we can... We can't even look at all the planets in our yeah. own universe. It's crazy, man. There's a lot. There's a lot to this. I hope you guys stayed to the end of this episode because this was a fun one. I know Paul and I had a great time getting ready, researching for this one because we like to just have this conversation a lot because it's a fun conversation to have. It's something you don't need to take too serious. You can talk about it lightheartedly and have a great time. It's not this politics with especially the election coming up so soon. Just turn your mind off for a little bit about the outside world and just have these kind of questions, have these kind of conversations. They're fun. They're good for the mind. They stretch your mind. They help you think in new ways. Paul, you got anything to say to the people before we head off? I'm just going to say we're probably going to be talking about this for the rest of the day. That's true. This is going to be an ongoing conversation. There there is likely to be a part two to this simulation theory. This might even become a whole series. Who knows? But that's the fun thing about Wreaking Havoc podcast being the world's weirdest podcast is we do what we want, when we want, how we want. So as always, have a great rest of your day. Do something fun. Hug someone you love. Make someone's day. Until next time, peace and love, y'all.